Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Daydream Wars podcast. Thank you so much for being here and thank you also so much for your patience with this episode. I needed a tiny break, I was back in Germany and then I had family come visit me and then I meant to bring out one episode yesterday but it was a pretty sad day in the UK with the election and it's not that <laughs> this has been resolved overnight, I am still pretty worried and sad and disappointed and I'm just gonna allow myself to be with those feelings. But I had a swim in the sea this morning and I felt energized enough to record an intro and edit this episode and I hope you enjoy it. So I spoke to Virginia Rosenberg about embodied astrology for social change, which was a really beautiful conversation. I love her approach and um, just the poetry with which she shares about her relationships with heavenly bodies. So I really hope that this episode brings some inspiration to this time of the year for you. There's been a slight glitch in that we lost connection at once, um, just so you know, but I edited it out and it should not uh, be too distracting and otherwise the sound quality was really good. So I'm linking to Virginia's work as well. Do check that out. She has some really beautiful offerings for the new year and I think some of you might like them. A few updates from me. I am happily settled in Scotland. I'm still st swimming in the freezing sea. <laughs> and I am winding things down now for the year. I'm getting really cozy and quiet. I'm still enjoying not being on social media and the particular quiet that comes with that. Um, I am preparing all kinds of beautiful things for the new year, but I haven't made any big decisions yet or any particular plans. I'm teaching one class in January, which has three parts on a Saturday. It's called Tarot as a Light in the Dark that you can join for $44 until um, December 21st. Um, so that should be fun, but otherwise I'm kind of just letting myself rest. I'm making more textile art, so that's been a big shift. I'm going to take a class in January and I'm working on a bigger collection that I want to offer next year. Um, and I am opening eight spots for the DIY Business Collective in January. So that is my ongoing membership community that includes a 10-module course for small business owners as well as group coaching every month, uh, monthly themed workshops and uh, quarterly business planning workshops as well as a community on Mighty Networks. It's a really cool place for small business owners who want to build businesses with integrity and feel a bit less alone and also have a place to ask questions and just be together. Um, so I am offering that for $300 or three payments of $100 and that includes a year-long membership including the course and the monthly group coaching and all the other live events that we do and then also an hour-long kickoff session with me in January and I'm, I'm offering this slightly differently because I really noticed that people benefit from having someone really guide them into the community and creating a structure and a plan and a map, um, if you will, for the year ahead so that um, the commitment is authentic and deep and sustainable and you know how to make the most of this program and also just to strategize and feel seen. So that should be really fun and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your support. Um, I would love for you to support my Patreon if you enjoyed the show. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And if you like it, please share it with a friend. Thank you for listening.
Hey everyone, I'm super excited to bring you another episode with a beautiful guest today. So this is not a solo one. I'm going to speak to someone who I think shares a lot of passions with me. I have the honor to speak to Virginia Rosenberg, who I was introduced to by following um, the work of Koya and uh, Rochelle Sheik. I've read her book, um, oh dear, I'm blanking on the name of the book now, but I will link it in the show notes. It's really beautiful and I think a lot of you will really like it. And um, as you know, I'm really into following the stars and looking at the sky and being enchanted again and thinking about archetypes. And I feel that Virginia has developed this really beautiful, very embodied and very grounding way of thinking about our relationships to um yeah, astrology in the cosmos. I've done her um, a few of her classes around embodied astrology this week. Um, I'm recording this on the 18th of July, so just after uh, the lunar eclipse that was on Tuesday and the full moon in Capricorn. And for that day, I did the um, embodiment ritual for Leo, which was really cool. So I've been dancing with Virginia a couple of times, which is funny to say about someone you've never met. But it just made me feel really excited to speak to her. And I'm so glad that she said yes to being interviewed. So thank you so much, Virginia, for being here and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Do you maybe want to start by telling us where you are in the world and what nature is like around you? Sure. Yes. Um, I am currently located in Asheville, North Carolina, which has been my home for the past 10 years. And um, prior to settler colonism in this area, this was Cherokee indigenous land. Um, and from what I understand, Cherokee means hill dweller. And so I live in an area where there are very old green mountains. Um, I like to call them the rainbow mountains because that's how they appear to me in my, in my psychic space. Um, and yeah, how they revealed themselves to me over time. <laughs> and it's an extremely biodiverse area. So it's actually classified as a temperate rainforest and there's a lot of things that can grow here. So this, this area um, is rather famous for herbalism and uh, natural healing methods, um, partially because of the, the biodiversity that is available and so much is able to grow here because it's, it's warm, it's a pretty temperate climate and it's very moist and green. Mm -hmm. Does it rain a lot? Is the is the moistness coming from the sky or is it just kind of the rivers and lakes as well? It definitely rains a good bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't know like inch wise if it rains as much as say the Pacific Northwest comes comes to mind as an area that's sort of famous for year-long rain or like winter-long rain. I'm not sure if it rains the same amount. It rains differently here. Mm -hmm. Um, than it does there, but it's definitely, definitely gets wet. <laughs> cool. Um, so I've already talked a little bit about your work, but I would love to hear from you how you would describe it to anyone who, oh, who by some kind of strange magic hasn't heard about you yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah. So the title that I hold is intuitive astrologer and movement artist um, and I, 
I use intuitive astrology and movement arts for social change in particular. And so my work is based on the premise that our bodies and movement and observing heavenly um, cycles and the spiraling cycles of time and space and how all things are interconnected inside of that landscape can be used as a lens and a portal for natural healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, so I offer astrology through sessions one-on-one with people or with couples or families and entrepreneurs. Um, But I also am a writer and do a lot of written channeling interpretations for um, current astrological energies. And I I teach astrology too and hold workshops and classes for for guidance and navigation based on the the cycling cosmos. Mm -hmm. Yes, I really want to affirm that you're such a beautiful writer as well. I often um, get sent your posts on Instagram from my friends or we, we, you know, there's always one of us who sees them first and then we kind of ping them to each other. And it's really cute. So thank you. I really appreciate the readership and the sharing. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for writing them. I know that takes, you know, you're putting so much energy into them. That's really beautiful. That all makes sense. Thank you for letting us know. Um, So I'm wondering how you first got into that work. Were you always excited about the stars and movement or is that something that came to you later in life? I have been a dancer my entire life um, since I was a very little girl. And I studied dance formally from the age of two. (laughs) So yeah, so I have a very long history of movement. Um, My mom also would take me to a yoga class with her from a very young age. Um, My mom has always been interested in in nature and natural methods of healing, nutrition, diet, movement, wellness. So she kind of was an amazing guide for me in that. And I absorbed a lot through osmosis from her. Um, And I've also always been interested since I was a child in nature and in the wisdom inside nature and also in um, kind of like alternate philosophies, alternate sort of spiritual versus religious ways of being in the world and seeing the world. So from a young age, I did a lot of study on um, like Eastern philosophy practices, so Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, and I also was doing a lot of study and delving into paganism um, and sort of older world religious or ritual practices. Um, I have a lot of memories of being a kid and doing candle magic and things like that with my my best friend <laughs> when we were like eight, you know, so, so this is <laughs> always been a part of my life. Actually, I I had a memory recently, there were these pine trees in my backyard that 
um, a boy in my neighborhood, Joseph, he and I used to go back and, and sit under the pines and we would find the pine needles and they're like stuck together at, at this convergent point. Um, mm -hmm. But if you pull them apart from one another, then sort of the bulb that, that sticks them together will remain on one of the needles and mm -hmm. it won't remain on the other needles. So we used to use that, use that for divination. <laughs> so we'd go back there and ask questions <laughs> and pull apart these pine needles and whichever... You know, we'd put like one answer in one hand, one answer in the other hand, and whichever one got that bulb that connected the two <laughs> would be the answer. So this is very deep in my bones. <laughs> that is so cool. I must remember that's a really beautiful practice. <laughs> <laughs> Will you maybe also share a little bit about your planetary constellation and what your own nature chart looks like? Yeah, so um, I have a lot of Gemini in my chart. <laughs> um, I have five major heavenly bodies in Gemini. And um, yeah, some of them are square, my, my Mars and North Node in Pisces. So there's this way that Gemini and Pisces interact where Gemini is the messenger, the communication um, teacher, student, the, the articulator and um the linguist and then pisces is more of the mystic and very attuned to kind of the subtle realms so i see the two archetypes interfacing with one another through my chart of just being able to kind of grasp the the subtler vibes that are happening um Pisces is more of the mystic, more attuned to the realms of subtle perception and um, picking up on kind of the quiet currents that are hovering in the collective. And so I really see my role as a Gemini of being able to kind of feel those currents and tune into them and spread the messages um, of what I'm perceiving inside of those currents. Um, And I also have a Leo moon and Leo rising. So those are sort of the most dominant energies in my chart <laughs> is kind of the Leo personality and uh, the Gemini communication and communicating mm -hmm. specifically into the realms of the subtle. Mm -hmm. I have a Leo rising too. So high five on that. <laughs> um, I really loved what you said earlier about want to look at embodiment through the lens of social justice or wanting to um, utilize these modalities in that way. And I wondered if you can maybe say a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So using astrology and movement and embodiment, particularly for social change, um, I'm really interested in humans being human. <laughs> and yeah. Um, humans being human instead of being kind of mechanical um, operatives for uh, abusers of power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I feel like embodiment and astrology are both ways of reconnecting with our humanity and sort of our animal nature and um, the nature that is within us and that we are a part of and that we're here to help steward and propagate um, mm -hmm. and that we have this wisdom that is free 
um, that doesn't need us to, you know, purchase or own anything outside of ourselves. Um, and this wisdom lives in the body. The body is a portal to access our innate wisdom, our innate health, our innate knowing. Um, and astrology is also a way to kind of contextualize whatever it is that we're experiencing and contextualize it in such a way that it also connects us to each other as a collective globe and connects us to nature and the more than human worlds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another way that I can say that is like embodiment and astrology in my view are both tools for liberation um, from kind of like tyranny, false tyranny, external mm -hmm. tyranny. Yeah. 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 That feels really true for me too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if you have anything to share. So if people are listening to this and they're like, oh yeah, wow, that's a slightly different way of looking at astrology than what I'm seeing um, around me. And, but maybe they haven't had a chance to dive so deep yet and maybe they're feeling a bit shy and don't really know where to start. What do you think when we're looking at the, at the cosmos where where do we start what is a good place or a nice practice to try yeah um there's so much with astrology because it's it's uh, become such a feature and a fixture in pop culture right <laughs> and mm -hmm. one of the things that i always like to share for people who are new to astrology is that it's way more than just a sun sign and so this mm -hmm. When people go around and ask, what's your sign? They're usually referring to the sun sign, which was the sign that the sun was in when you were born. But as a, a professional astrologer, what we do is we actually cast a map of the whole sky at the moment of your birth. And that's your birth chart. So, so really all of the archetypes, all the zodiac archetypes are contained within us. And we just look to where the planets were exactly to see which ones were being most emphasized at the moment of birth. And that lets us know kind of what the dominant themes are um, as you live into your spiritual destiny, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, but a great place to start, um, I'm a big believer in not just kind of like reading horoscopes and like theorizing or intellectualizing around astrology, but having a direct experience with um, the planets um, and with the heavenly bodies. So I like to use the term heavenly bodies because in astrology, we, re we refer to the sun as a planet when we know it's not a planet, right? It's a star. Mm -hmm. Um, and same for the moon. The moon is a satellite. It's a moon. It's not a planet. But we just use the term planet for ease. We use astrological terminology. Um, but so, you know, go out at sunrise and greet the sun. Mm -hmm. Go out at sunset and greet the sun. Have a moment with the sun. Dialogue with the sun. Go out once um, night falls and find the moon in the sky and notice what phase the moon is in and just start to prioritize um, like putting your attention on these beings. So astrologically speaking, we look at the sun and the moon, not just as like, you know, lifeless rocks, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but we, we observe them and consider them to be conscious beings in and of themselves, just like the earth is a conscious being in and of itself. 
that the mm-hmm. earth is alive. Um, so that's where I would recommend people begin with their interest in astrology is to connect with the earth, the sun, and the moon, just because they're the most immediate um, in terms of access and start to engage with them as conscious sentient beings and um, dialogue with them, get to know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such an exciting thing to do. Um, And I love what you said about heavenly bodies. Yeah, that feels... um, That feels really beautiful. Um, I have another question, which I feel a little bit shy about. It feels like such a beginner's question, but I am also really just so excited and curious about what what you think about it. Um, I'm always wondering, so when I think about the different signs as we think about them, uh, Leo, for example, Aquarius, Libra, all these different names that we have given these constellations, I feel like sometimes these names make a ton of sense to me and other times I'm not really totally seeing the red thread I don't know if that's actually a mm-hmm. word that that translates from German the red thread um, but do you see what I mean um, and I feel like the practices that you're offering around embodiment and thinking about the different qualities of those archetypes and how we think about them then gives me an understanding but often the names is their names are not the first thing that really speaks to me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the names themselves, Leo, Mm -hmm. Aquarius, et cetera, and how, how those names um, kind of present the meaning of the archetype is, is that where your question is? Yeah, exactly. I wonder if, if you feel deep resonance with that, or if it's something that you've always also maybe been wondering about. Mm. So for me, I think I've always taken it as just learning um, about the the whole resonance of the archetype um, stemming from the name so that it's more than just the name, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think a good place that um, might be helpful to look is the knowing of the names also correlate to an animal um, or... an embodied archetype, if not an animal. So Virgo, for example, is the mythic archetype of the virgin, the woman who is whole unto herself, the priestess. Um, And Leo is the lion. So one way to kind of get closer to the names, I think, is to unpack the mythic of the animal or the archetype that's associated with it. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, that makes total sense. And there's actually so much exciting stuff to dig into there I'm thinking about Greek mythology and the stories that my grandparents told me and those kind of embodied first ideas I had about certain concepts before anyone even told me about them in words so yeah that makes sense to me thank you yeah exactly and I like I'll give it a couple examples just to deepen that a little bit Um, so for example, like Gemini, the twins, right? There's the biblical story, um, about like Cain and Abel and there's Castor and Pollux and there's all these kind of mythic twin things that we can learn from to sort of inform our understanding of Gemini, the twins. And then, um, another one that has been challenging for me in the past is Aquarius, um, because Aquarius is thought of as the water bearer, but it's an air sign, right? So how does that work? Um, something that I heard about recently that shed some light on that was 
that uh, the water bearers were actually often bringing water for the bathhouses, which were these major social centers where mm -hmm. people gathered. And Aquarius is all about the group, the collective, the community, um, the network. So um, that to me really helps to illustrate how the person who carries water can be an air sign that's like bringing people together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm, thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, do you, um, when you're thinking about the different signs, is there something at the moment in your self-care maybe or in the energy that you're inviting into your life that you feel most drawn to, that you feel helpful for the summer and the eclipse season maybe? Mm. Generally speaking, what's really being invited is um, the cancer archetype. The North Node is in cancer right now and it's sort of like a lot of cosmic arrows pointing towards cancer and cancer is the archetype of the mother the nurturer, the protector. Um, it's the archetype of emotional bonding and history and remembrance. And you used that phrase self-care. And cancer is all about caring. It's all about um, needs. What are you feeling and what need is underlying that? And how can you get the, that need met? How can you either meet that need for yourself or ask somebody else who cares for you um, to help you meet that need. Um, so I really feel a very strong inclination happening on a global level to just kind of take more care <laughs> and, um, yes. and really turn a focus on like softness and healing and nurturance um, so that we can kind of dissolve the boundaries and the borders and the walls that we're feeling within our own psyche or between ourselves and those that we love or um, from nation to nation. It's like there's a lot of highlighting being placed right now and emphasis being placed on controversy around um, border policies, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that that's really shedding light on this cancer archetype, which is about families. It's about mothers and children and it's about kinship. Um, and something that I heard recently that I'd like to reiterate here, and I forget who, who I heard this from or where I heard it, but it's something about um, when women and children like aren't honored in a society, then that society cannot sustain, cannot withstand the test of time. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of resurgence of this matriarchal energy, the importance of this matriarchal motherly energy is, is what's needed if we're going to be able to sustain ourselves. So, so really incorporating those motherly aspects um, into your life, however that looks, is being mm -hmm. really emphasized at this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that too. And I also feel like just, just hearing you talk just now, um, something in my body really relaxed and felt so comforted by this different additional and beautiful way of looking at what we could also call political struggle, which has a very different flavor. And I think I just really appreciate so much in your work how you are able to name 
pain in this really clear and very strong way and also really emotionally connect us to um, the healing that's possible um, in a very practical way. I'm not totally sure if I'm making sense here, but maybe I'll illustrate that in another way. Before our call, I was just reading the news, um, which I'm trying to do in a relative, yeah, in a very um, intentional way. I, I'm trying to kind of open the news with the intention of learning something specific or um, understanding what is currently happening rather than just kind of drowning in the sorrow that is so easy to feel sometimes. Yeah. Um, and there was something in particular about borders that, that was really touching me. And so I feel that I want to engage with um, this on multiple levels to really make sure it sinks into my psyche in a way that is empowering and that makes me feel like I have agency and a voice. And I feel that um, what you just described is, um, yeah, really strengthening that as, as another way of looking at this. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of Adrienne Marie Brown's work. Mm -hmm. And something that she points to is that our, our power really lies in the micro. It's like tiny, tiny revolutions, mm -hmm. you know, so and I feel like that's what this cancer archetype is really about, like, how can we supremely care for what's right here right in front of us and not kind of overextend or reach beyond that in a way that dilutes our agency and our power how can we just like nourish the bonds that we're closest to even if they're super small um, like the micro is the macro mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes sense as well um i i wonder if you can just tell us a little bit more about what readings with you are like. Um, you, were, you were saying earlier that you are sometimes working with individuals and sometimes with families or couples or entrepreneurs. And um, I know every astrologer is so different and so unique. And I'm really excited to learn more and more about the different approaches and um, ways of doing this work. So I would love to hear from you um, how you're approaching this. What, what does a session look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, every astrologer is so different. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's so amazing that astrology is a language. Um, so just like, a, you know, there are no two English speakers or Spanish speakers that will speak the language the same way. Um, astrology really is like that. So each um, astrologer is, is an interpreter that can sort of capture their medicine and their worldview as they utilize this language. Um, which is so, so neat. Big fan of <laughs> how versatile this language is. Um, yeah. And so a reading with me is, I, like I said, I, my, I title um, as an intuitive astrologer. And so I lean a lot into subtle sensing and perception um, because astrology is very complex. It's very complicated. It requires a lot of logical, uh, left-brained, intellectual um, kind of absorption of facts and information. 
um, and it can get very heady. Um, and yet in my experience, I find that when things are overly heady or mental or complicated, it can actually block healing. And um, that for me, healing comes from sort of the space in between the thoughts, the listening place, the place where we're encountering and interfacing sort of direct more directly with the void. Um, and so I hold a lot of space for the void in my sessions. And when we sit down, what happens is first off, I always record the session if the client requests that an audio recording that way they can listen back and take detailed notes and things later, but they're able to have the freedom to be fully present as we work together in real time. And we start off with a meditation that helps us to connect with ourselves, each other, the earth, the heavens, the heavenly bodies. And then I ask the client to set an intention for our time. And the intention lets me know what we're going to focus on and what the client is bringing, what's on their heart, what they're querying about, what they're curious, where their curiosities lie. Um, and so they offer the intention and then I take a moment to listen to the intuitive field and gather some sort of first impressions there. And I take notes as we go along. And then, um, it's a dialogue after that. It's a dialogue between me and the querent. It's a dialogue, um, between us and the charts, um, and spirit and whatever is moving in, in the subtle space. Um, so I'm a very conversational astrologer. I like to ask a lot of questions rather than overlay my interpretations on a person's life experience. I like to say, you know, these are the themes I'm feeling into um, according to the charts and according to the intuitive field. Um, but, you know, how has this been showing up in your life or how did this show up in your life at this particular year or that particular year? And that helps us to hone kind of the accuracy. So it's a very collaborative, co-creative experience. Um, and there's a lot of space to just allow the, the healing energy to be part of it. So it's not just a big like information dump, <laughs> um, that there is like a subtle force that's, that's moving and helping us to, to liberate and unravel as we're going along too. Um, and I feel like there's one more thing. Oh, and I also do incorporate somatic work um, in sessions. Not every session. This is usually not the first session. I have a lot of repeat clients um, and sometimes work with people long-term, like over the course of six months to a year. Um, mm -hmm. And if we do that, we often explore some somatic work too, where we do some more like guided work directly with the body um, to facilitate the, the unwinding and remembering as well. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm. I, um, I, for some reason, feel really called to ask you about um, the Saturn return and if you could maybe speak to how you feel about it or if you think it's an important piece in someone's life and does it come up often in your readings? Is there anything that you want to share about that? Yeah, thanks for asking that. The Saturn return is incredibly important. And um, I just went through my Saturn return. So I'm 31 and the Saturn return typically occurs between ages 28 and 30, 28 and 31. And it's an initiation into adulthood. It's a major crossing of a threshold. Um, and how you experience it really depends on where and how Saturn is placed in your own chart. 
um, there's usually some sort of more major culmination um, of kind of your work or your purpose that is happening around the Saturn return. And I feel like for me, in my own personal experience, it's like, I lived my 20s and my 20s were this time of like freedom and exploration and expansion. And I did a lot of building during my 20s, building of my, you know, quote unquote career, <laughs> which was an accident, by the way, like all the work that I do has just been happened upon me. Um, like I never kind of intentionally set out <laughs> to do any of the work that I do. It's just been magic that's been unfolding and, and saying yes to invitations and opportunities along the way. Um, but so my 20s was very sort of free-flowing and experimental, and I did a lot of travel um, and, and kind of like hyper-growth. And once my Saturn return came, I had this real sensation of, oh, this is just one life that I'm living Mm -hmm. And I need to get really clear about, you know, which pursuits are necessary, which pursuits are going to bring me fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I started um, accessing a desire for a more sustainable lifestyle, a more rooted and grounded lifestyle. And I just wanted to see like, where could I make commitments in my life in order to have a more sustainable lifestyle and, and bring things to fruition and, manifestation of my purpose and kind of crystallizing my intention, living on purpose, living with more intention became very important. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so it was also a time actually for me when I got a major invitation from a publisher um, to write a book. And um, that was a really interesting experience because I ultimately decided I didn't want to write the book that they wanted me to write, even though uh, initially I felt like it would be a great opportunity. When mm-hmm. I fell into it, it for me, I realized like there's something wasn't a fit, something wasn't in alignment for me about it. And uh, I won't go into that whole story, but um, I think the Saturn return is a very important time of clarification of what's meant for us and what's not meant for us and which, which work we're going to embrace um, and which work that we embrace is going to bring us to a feeling of satisfaction and how mm-hmm. we want to utilize our limited time and energy for this kind of one precious life. The Mary Oliver quote, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do with your one <laughs> wild and precious life? I feel like that's very Saturn return. So I've heard a lot of fear around the Saturn return and Saturn does rule, rule fear because it rules um, responsibilities and areas where we are going to have to dedicate ourselves. But I also think that the dominant Western culture turns away from discipline and turns away from dedication. Um, and, you know, Saturn to me is really nothing to fear if, if, if you embrace dedication mm-hmm. and kind of taking more responsibility and, and stepping into your authorship of mm-hmm. um, how you want to be using the time and the energy in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was nodding along, which sadly no one could see, but I <laughs> I was smiling really broadly and nodding along. I feel so similar about my Saturn return and 
that's a really beautiful description. I also felt that it was asking me really big questions and really getting me on my knees. And there were times where something that I had done in discipline because I thought I had to became devotion because I know you, I needed to. And there were, it wasn't just about these fun things I did anymore, but like really needed to commit in a, in a deeper and bigger way and needed to get clear on what I wanted from life. So yeah, I'm glad we survived it. <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's all about just uh, being more in integrity with yourself and like deepening your capacities, you know, mm -hmm. and like a huge thing for me with my Saturn return was I became a mother. And mm -hmm. what I was interested to discover with that is that all my life I'd heard these narratives about how becoming a parent is so limiting. And mm -hmm. I actually had the opposite experience where for me, it, it wasn't limiting. It, it deepened me into kind of the, the grid of life and it deepened me into my own self integrity and it, it deepened me into an expanded version of myself, not a limited version. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting kind of the paradox of the Saturn return, how when we narrow our focus and when we, um, make commitments, we actually can get like so much more freedom <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. get opened up to like fulfilling our true potential, you know? Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. I think that's so interesting to think about what, in in Western culture, we perceive as limitations and restrictions rather than commitments or things that can actually be really beautiful containers for ways in which we can deepen things that we care about. So, yeah. Before we go, is there anything else that you want to share that you feel like you haven't said yet? Hmm. Um, let me tune in on that for a moment. Yeah, one of the biggest pieces of feedback that I have been getting for the past 10 years as I've been doing my work as an astrologer is that it's so affirming. And um, I often say to my clients, like, yeah, I shouldn't tell you anything that you don't already know. Like my work is to just hold an anchor point and some reflections to um, like deepen the integrity of what you already know mm -hmm. and kind of read, re help you remember that, you know, and kind of redirect the focus back there and to clear all of the noise because there's so much noise mm -hmm. in this world that we live in. There's so much, so many distractions that are trying to remove us from ourselves intentionally, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's actually, what I've come to discover in the past couple of years is like, it's actually illegal to be ourselves. Like literally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in every possible way, almost that, um, that uh, we can truly be ourselves and in our power. It's, it's those things are the things that are legal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so just to kind of highlight like the strength of the distraction, um, mm -hmm. 
and that the value of embodiment and connecting to nature and the cosmos through the lens of astrology is it just assists us in clearing that noise and returning us to what we already know and who we already are and helping us to anchor into that and integrate into that more deeply. And um, just, you know, there's so much wisdom and medicine inside of each and every one of us. And um, that medicine wants to come forward. It wants to crystallize. Um, it wants to be constellated here on the earth. And so there's a real need for your medicine and your truth and um, for you to live in coherence and, and congruence with your medicine and your truth. Mm -hmm. um, like as we do that for ourselves, we do that in a way of affirming everyone and everything else that lives and breathes on this planet. So um, I see that happening. I see that we're all, we're being invited to deepen into living the truth of our medicine. And, you know, we're doing that in relationship with what this planet needs at this time. Um, and just a reminder that like, we're not, we're not separate from this planet. We're not separate from nature. We're not separate from each other. We're not separate from the wisdom and the medicine that lives in our bones. Um, and we're just here to be it. And that's all. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to share these words with everyone. So yeah, thank you. Thank um, you. So where can people find you and what are you currently offering? Yeah, they, um, you can find me on my website, which is my name, virginiarosenberg.com. That's B-E-R-G. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at Virginia Rosenberg. Um, I write a new moon and full moon forecast every month, and you'll see those posted on Instagram in short and then linked um, through the bio to the full report, which always has a description for your um, sun and rising signs as well, as well as the full description for the moon. Um, as I said, I, I do offer sessions and I do those in person in Asheville but also online over Zoom or FaceTime or phone so I have an international client base and I've got an online scheduler where you can book yourself in instantly for a session if you'd like um, and I'm currently teaching an astrology school called Sky Scholar and it's it's the foundations of astrology 101 and 102 so that you can read a chart for yourself and for others. And I do believe I'll probably be doing another cohort next year, one or two cohorts. Um, so you can sign up to get on the, the waiting list for that. We, also, we already have a bunch of people on the waiting list and I only take like 22 people at a time per cohort. So all of those things, um, and I offer workshops that happen occasionally, like we're doing a, an eclipse season workshop right now where we meet up for three live calls and there's a global community that's staying connected and um, speaking about their eclipse season and process and experience, um, and it's really nourishing and fun. So yeah, there's a lot that I offer, and if you get on my mailing list, then you'll be informed of all of those things over time. Mm -hmm. 
and we'll link to that to the show notes as well so if anyone hasn't caught your um address or anything they can check it out there as well yeah thank you so so much virginia thank you so much for sharing from your heart and telling us more about your story and your wisdom i really really love talking to you and i'm excited to share this episode yay thank you so much i really appreciate the invitation thank you (laughs) 